If you have your Bible this morning, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9 and let's worship the Lord through his word. Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin reading in a moment in verse 14. Have you ever wondered what the Christian life would be like uh, if we did not have prayer? Uh, what if we couldn't pray? What if uh, God had established the faith in such a way that we still uh, revered the Lord and we still uh, honored the Lord, but we did not have the privilege of prayer? Uh, what if God would have established the Christian faith such that we could not sing and worship him through song, that we could not declare praises to him in that way, uh, that we still revered and honored the Lord. But, but what if singing was not a part of, uh, of our walk with the Lord? What, what if we didn't have the Bible? Uh, what if we couldn't meditate each morning on scripture? What if that just weren't something that God had provided for us? We, we still could have a Christian faith without, without prayer and without worship through song and even without uh, the ability to hold God's word in our hand like we do, but it would not nearly be as rich and as wonderful uh, as the faith that we have today because we have prayer and because we can worship through song and because we can open his Bible. Those are incredible blessings that God has given to us. He could have established the Christian faith in another way, but aren't you thankful he's given us those ways to relate to him? Well, I wonder if maybe there's another way. I wonder if there's something else that, that we could do, that we should do, that would be just as rewarding as prayer, that would, that would be just as life-altering as meditating on Scripture, that would be just as, as joy-giving as worshiping through the song. What if there's something else that God has given us for the Christian life? Well, I believe perhaps there is. There certainly is something that God has given to us. And I believe that perhaps for many of us, this is something that we've neglected, something that we've ignored. And just as if we neglected prayer or singing or Bible meditation, our walk with God is not nearly as rich uh, because of this. And the one thing is fasting. So look with me in Matthew chapter 9. Let's, let's begin by reading a couple of verses. Verse 14 says, Then John's disciples came to him, came to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. Uh, John's disciples said, we fast, we, we go without food for a period of time. We'll, we'll talk about exactly what it means when the Bible says to fast well, they say, why do we fast, but the followers of Jesus are not fasting? And listen to how Jesus replied. Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus said that my followers are close to me now. I see them every day. We walk together and we talk together and we eat together. But there will be a day when I will be taken from them and then the followers of Christ will fast. I believe if we ignore the spiritual discipline of fasting, that we ignore one of the most valuable, one of the richest ways that we have to relate to the Father. 
And so we're going to take some time this morning inside our series, How to Kill Persistent Sin. You'll see the connection in a few moments. I want us to learn today about fasting. Now, this is going to be a topical message. This will seem a little different from the way we ordinarily walk through these messages. Uh, But just the subject matter lends itself to this. Let's just look all over the Bible this morning and learn what it means when it encourages us, when it demands, really, that we be committed to the fast. So our question is, what is fasting? And number one, we learn that fasting is a voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. You got that? That's our definition. That comes straight from scripture. It is a voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. It's mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible, and every time it's mentioned, this is the definition. In Matthew chapter four, verse two, the Bible says, after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And I'm sure he was because he had abstained from food and in his case also water for 40 days. Now let's let's dig into that definition for a moment and, and, and really try to understand it. So there are a couple of things you should know about that. First of all, spiritual fasting is not a weight loss diet or a strategy for better health. Now, some people will fast for those reasons, and that might be a good idea. I don't know. Ask your doctor. But that is not a biblical fast. A biblical fast is for the purpose of honoring the Lord, of growing closer to the Lord, of some other things that we'll see in just a moment. The spiritual fast, the food fast, has to have a spiritual purpose. The second thing we notice is that spiritual fasting involves abstaining from food and, and sometimes drink. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think if we're going to truly engage in spiritual fasting, we, we must know this because this is one thing that gets confused, I think, in the practice of fasting, uh, even in the church and even in a lot of the books that you pick up about fasting. Let's talk about the fact that fasting always involves abstaining from food. People will talk today about fasting from television. You heard people say that? People will talk about fasting from social media. People will talk about fasting from chocolate or coffee. Now, those might improve your walk with the Lord for some reason. If the Lord has convicted you to do those things, perhaps that would be a good thing to do. But that's not what the Bible is talking about when it urges us to fast. The problem with, uh, with the modern definition for fasting, uh, that we should just deny ourselves of something meaningful for a period of time, the problem with that definition is it's just made up. If you look at fasting traditionally, through history, that's never been what it was. If you look at fasting biblically, that is never what it was. There's no chocolate fast in the Bible. There's no social media fast. There's not even, despite The fact that I have several books on it in my office, there's not even a Daniel fast in the Bible. If you look closely at what those passages say, fasting in the Bible is always, without exception, doing without food for some period of of time. Now, why do you think, why do you think fasting in the Bible is, is always focused on doing without food? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. It, It doesn't 
specifically say, here's why fasting is, uh, is only inside these parameters. We just see that it is. But let me speculate a moment, and I'm speculating. But perhaps the reason it is always about abstaining from food is that eating is a basic necessity of life, and that parallels uh, the necessity for having the Lord, right? I mean, you can live without chocolate. You might not want to, but you could. You can live without social media. You can live without Netflix, but you can't live without food. And so when we fast from food, we're, we're fasting from something that is a necessity in life, just as Jesus is a necessity in life. And so there's some logical connection there, that when we fast from something that is a physical necessity, then it reminds us of our need for the, for the spiritual necessity. Perhaps that's why fasting is always so limited in the Bible to doing without food. Another possibility is that there is a fundamental connection between hungering for food and hungering for the Lord and for the things of God. I mean, maybe there's just this connection that when we hunger for food, that that is in some way similar, at least it feels similar to our hunger for the Lord. Now, this is one of those things that's hard to explain if you've not fasted much. But if you'll fast, you'll get this, that there's just something, there's just some fundamental connection. And we see some biblical evidence for this. And in the outline I'll post online, I have a number of scripture passages. I'll just read two or three to you now. Psalm 63, five says, you satisfy, you satisfy me with rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And so here the psalmist compares receiving rich food and receiving the closeness of, from the Lord, and it, it, it equates those two things in some way. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, they will be satisfied. Again, makes that connection. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 48, I am the bread of life. So maybe the reason the Bible limits fasting to doing without food is because of some fundamental connection between hungering for food and hungering for God. Uh, another reason, perhaps, is, is that uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Uh, maybe, maybe our fasting is limited to doing without food because our fasting follows in the example that Jesus set when he began his ministry by fasting for 40 days. So if the Holy Spirit leads you to, to, to separate from Netflix or from coffee or from social media for a while, then do it. Uh, then be obedient to the, to the Lord. Probably really help your walk with the Lord. If the Lord leads you uh, this next uh, spring uh, to give up something for Lent for a few weeks, then, then by all means do it. I commend those things, but that's not Spiritual fasting, uh, as, it's, as it's defined in the Bible, described in the Bible a hundred times, the Bible always says that fasting is doing without food for a period of time. Now, that's the mechanics. Let's get into some of the more uh, spiritual motivations for this. Number two, what is fasting? Fasting is an expression of our longing for the presence of Christ. Now let's look back at the verses we read a moment ago. Matthew 9, uh, verse 14, 
the disciples of John say, why, why are we fasting, but your disciples are not? The disciples of Jesus are not fasting. But look again at his reply, verse 15. Jesus said to them, can the wedding guest be sad while the groom is with them? That Jesus is the groom, we're the wedding guests. So can they be sad when they're, when they're with the groom? And the answer implied is no. But he goes on to say, the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, when Jesus will ascend into heaven, and then they will fast. So what does that tell us that fasting is? Fasting is an expression of our longing for the Lord. We, we have a desire as believers to be closer to the, to the Lord. We long for the Lord. You know what it, what it feels like to long to be close to somebody? I was uh, talking to my wife last week. We we uh, making our holiday plans and those kind of things, and as, as you are, I'm sure. And I said, I really miss my mom. I, I really, I, I talk to her often on the phone, and, and we, we talk about whatever we need to talk about, and you know, she's just a phone call away, and I can call her uh, right now. I could stop and call her, and, and we would have a good time talking on the phone. But that's just not the same. I really miss uh, just sitting there. We wouldn't say anything if we were sitting there that we don't say on the phone. But I just really miss being able to spend a day or two with my mom. She's a long ways away and schedules and kids and, and it's just complicated. I, I miss that. And so what Jesus is saying here is that it, he, he was saying, now my disciples don't fast now because they're with me. I mean, we, we, we had lunch together this morning, so to speak. He said, but when I ascend into heaven, and, and they are no longer with me in a physical way. They will long for me. Like I long to see my mom. Some of you, 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 you have relatives that have passed away and you long to see those relatives. He said, he said, when I ascend into heaven, my followers will long, will have this desire just to be with me. And how will, how will they express that desire? How will we express that desire? We express that longing by fasting. By fasting. And again, this is something that's, that's easier understood when you do it than when you talk about it. But when you fast and, and you struggle with that hunger, it, it is just, there is a comfort that, that one day I will be satisfied by the Lord's presence. It is a way we express our longing for the Lord. Just a couple of notes on that. It is, a, it is proper to have a longing to be closer to the Lord. And one way we express that is through fasting. The Bible makes that clear. Jesus makes that clear. They will, they will long for me and they will fast. That will be the expression. And then also when we hunger for food in a fast, we are reminded that the satisfaction, the ultimate satisfaction is, uh, is from the Lord. And we look forward to that. Number three, what is fasting? Fasting is a way to seek the reward of the Father. Now, we've been looking at Matthew chapter 9. Turn back a page or two to Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is right in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Matthew 6 is, is interesting because it begins talking about giving, financial giving. And it says in verse 4 that if you give in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. So you give, there's some reward for those people who are faithful to give, who give for the right reasons. So that's at the beginning of, of chapter 6. And then the next section is about prayer. 
And he says essentially the same thing. If you pray with the right motive, God will honor, uh, God will reward your praying. And then the next part is fasting. So we're going to get to the to, to the details of this, but I just want you to notice to begin with that, that, that the Lord uh, makes as an equal thing, giving, praying, fasting. I think sometimes we think, well, praying and giving, that's something that every believer does. And, uh, you know, you ought to give every week or give every month and, and you ought to pray every day. But fasting is something you, you know, you might do once every 10 years. But, but when Jesus talks in, in his most uh, well-known sermon, when, when, he, when he goes through his points, he makes these things parallel. You're going to give, that's going to be a regular part of your life. You're going to pray, that is a regular part of living the Christian life. And you're going to fast, that'll be a regular part of the Christian life. He makes all of these parallel. But let's talk about the reward. So if you look at verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 16, it says, whenever you fast, now that tells us how often are we going to fast? Well, it doesn't tell us how often, but it does tell us that we will fast, right? And you'll see it again in another sentence here. Whenever you fast, assuming you are going to fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So when you fast, if you fast in order uh, to impress people, to get the attention of others, there's, that's not spiritual fasting, and God will not reward that. Uh, so don't complain about how hungry you are. Don't go tell everybody that you're so, you so love Jesus that you're miserable for a few days. Uh, that, that, that's not, that's not the way to do it. Verse 17. But when you fast again, should you fast? He says, when you fast, he's assuming you're going to be fasting. Verse 17, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will what? He will reward you. And so fasting is one way to seek the reward of the father. Properly motivated fasting, God rewards that. Now, let's talk about the proper motivation, then we'll talk about the reward. Fasting generally ought to be private. Uh, secret. We we're going to talk about some exceptions in a moment, but, but, but fasting generally ought to be secret. There are some corporate fastings in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Well, not especially in the New Testament, in the Old and the New Testament. There were times when the nation of Israel would fast. There are times when the leaders of the church in the New Testament would fast. There would be times when the whole church would fast. There are times when groups of people, when there's a need, fast. And so if you're doing those kinds of fast, of course, people are going to know if you're going to, if we're going to get, you know, our church together to fast, we got to tell you that we're doing it or you won't do it and you'll know. So, so every fast doesn't have to be secret, but uh, often our fasting should be secret. But here's the key. If you look back at chapter six, verse one, I really think this verse, though it's talking about giving here specifically, introducing that subject anyway, it, it, it tells us uh, specifically what the motive should be. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So it's okay if people know that you're fasting or that you're praying or giving. We, we pray in public. We've prayed in public in this worship service twice already. Uh, so, so it's okay to do those things in public, but we must not do them for the public. 
If you do it in public, it must still be to honor the Lord. In fact, sometimes it is important to do our spiritual acts in in front of other people. If you look back a page while we're here in Matthew, look at chapter 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may what? See your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, So fasting doesn't have to be private, but it has to be for the Lord. It must be for the Lord. So if our fasting is to honor the Lord, it tells us clearly here in verse 16 uh, that God will reward our fasting. What are some of the rewards? Uh, How does God reward us when we fast? Well, uh, if, if you just do a study on that in scripture, you'll come up with probably a list of 20 different ways, depending on how you divide them up. Uh, we don't have time to go through that kind of list, but, but let me give you a few things that are specifically mentioned. When we fast, here are some things, some ways that God rewards. Uh, God will reward us with protection, with protection. Sometimes we should fast to pray and ask God to protect us or, or others. And the Bible says he hears those prayers. Listen to Ezra 8. He says, I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey. And so Ezra, they're headed to, um, uh, to, uh, to, to what will become Jerusalem again, and it's a long journey, and so they pray for a safe journey, and they fast. It says, so we fasted and pleaded with our God about this, and he was receptive to our prayers. What's one thing, one way God rewards fasting? protection. Another way, we won't go through all of these verses, but I'll give you some references if you're curious. Strength to face temptation. Isaiah 58, 6. We will spend some time on that in a moment. Next, answered prayer. Daniel 6, 16 through 18. I can give you a number of scripture references here where the Bible says to pray earnestly. So what's the difference in praying and praying earnestly? Well, the way that plays itself out often in the Bible is that the difference is fasting. It's one thing to say, oh Lord, please give me this or give me that. It's another thing to fast and pray for that. It's it's an expression of our earnestness. And the Bible gives many examples of the reward of uh, answered prayer. Preparation for ministry. Acts chapter 14, verse 23, there are actually a few verses that say a very similar thing. That as, uh, as people would begin a new ministry. Uh, they would fast for a period of time. What, if, if you're starting a new ministry, starting a new season of ministry, starting leading in a Sunday school class or starting some, some new mission focus or whatever, uh, per, perhaps you ought to just begin with fasting and prayer. Maybe some others should join you in that. The Bible says God will reward that kind of fasting. The next uh, benefit, relief from the consequences of sin. Uh, We're familiar with Jonah chapter 3 when God was going to destroy the Ninevites. And what did they do? They fasted. And what did God do? He relented from his his punishment because of their sin. And and then one more, revival and renewal. Uh, I, I don't know of a historic revival. Some people study revivals that have happened in countries and in uh, different geographic areas, even in churches. Uh, there, there's a whole 
uh, academic focus where people study all of these different revivals looking for the common denominators. Where did, where, where did these revivals start? How does a church experience, how does a city experience revival? And, and, and you know, the, the one common denominator that, that's in almost every single revival that can, be, that can be detailed in a historic way, that can be verified, the one common denominator is that it began with fasting. Somebody or some group of people fasted and prayed for revival and renewal. Listen to Joel chapter two, the Old Testament book of Joel says, even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning, tear your hearts and not just your clothes and return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. And he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. That's just a passage that says fast and pray that God will send revival. And he, and he often does. So the next thing we learn about fasting is fasting is a spiritual discipline that can lead to the breaking of the chains of persistent sin. Now this goes along with the, with the benefits, with the rewards, but let's talk specifically about this because uh, we're in a sermon series where we're talking about how to overcome persistent sin. How do we, how do we actually overcome these sins that just seem to hound us uh, year after year as a Christian? And, and we said that there are some habits that that the Bible says if we'll embrace these habits, these God-prescribed, Holy Spirit-empowered habits, Romans chapter 6 tells us that God will make changes little bit by little bit in us. And one of those habits that the, that the Bible says is used for this is the habit, the spiritual discipline of fasting. So look at Isaiah. We'll show this to you on the screen, I believe. Isaiah 58, 6. Isn't this, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet, isn't this the fast I chose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? He's talking about fasting to overcome persistent, stubborn, besetting, habitual sin. Now, let me tell you how this works, because I want you to understand the mechanism here, and I think it'll help you be more excited about, about fasting. Four ways that fasting will help you overcome persistent sin. First, fasting strengthens our other spiritual disciplines. So we've talked about prayer, and we've talked about Bible meditation. I'll tell you the, the best, the clearest way that fasting helps you pray better and meditate better is it just gives you some more time. Now, this isn't the only way, it's just the easiest one to explain. Uh, if you fast, then you can take the time that you would have spent eating and then just get alone and open your Bible and spend time in prayer and spend time with the Lord. A, a two-day fast, a three-day fast where you're spending those nine meal times in three days and just concentrated focus on the Lord. Just the time will be impactful. But it also just sharpens our sensitivities uh, to, uh, to hearing from, from the Lord. Uh, secondly, uh, fasting reveals what controls us. Again, something easier uh, to understand experienced than just explained. Uh, but when, when you're hungry and when you fast and it leads to hunger, it just makes you so, so incredibly sensitive to hearing from the, from, from the Lord 
that you will have a better understanding of the things that control you. When you read testimonies of people who have gone on longer fast, they will talk about, I never, they'll say things like this, I never realized how much of my life was wrapped up in gaining the approval of others. And it wasn't until I was in this fast and I was struggling with hunger that I was sensitive enough to hear that from God. People will say, I never realized what a big part social media was in my life or what a big part hanging out on the phone and gossiping was. I didn't realize that my life was dominated by these things until I got got a little ways into some spiritual fast and, and through the hunger and the, and the hypersensitivity to the Lord. That's why God has given us the fast. You're, it, it, you, will, you will find revealed to you the things that control you. Letter C or number three, fasting teaches us that our ultimate satisfaction is only found in the Lord. So in a fast, you're hungry. So what do you want to do to satisfy your hunger? You want to eat. Well, you don't eat. Uh, for whatever period of time you've decided to fast, and, and, and you, it, it dawns on you <laughs> that if I could eat, I would be satisfied, but I would only be satisfied for a little while. Food is only a temporary satisfaction. The Lord is, uh, is, is the only perfect satisfaction. I, I had a, uh, somebody in one of my, uh, well, in the first church that I pastored and he fasted for a, a, a longer period of time. I, I'll, I'll bring him uh, perhaps one, one day. He's a pastor now. Uh, I'll bring him to our church one day and let you hear uh, his story. Uh, but he got to the end of this, uh, of this fast and, and he said the one thing or the biggest thing that, it, that I learned is that uh, I can go a day without food. And he went many days. I can go a day without food but I can't go a day without the Lord. And he says that, have you ever heard somebody speak something and you could just tell that in the way they said it, that it was more meaningful to them. It was, it was truer than maybe if it would have been said by any other person. And when he says that, you, you, it just, it just rings so true in his life. And, and it's just some, we're sensitive in fasting and we will learn that our ultimate satisfaction is only the Lord. But here, the letter D, and th this is the part I want to spend a moment or two on. Fasting stretches the spiritual muscles that we use to discipline our bodies. So we've learned, uh, without going through the last several messages, we learned that as Christians, we're dead to sin, right? Uh, because we're connected to Christ, when Christ died, he destroyed the penalty of sin, but he also destroyed the authority of sin. Yet, sin still tries to boss us around. We're still tempted. Sin still shouts into our lives and tells us to do this or to do that. And the Bible says we've learned that we are to discipline our bodies to say no to sin because it's not on the throne. We must dethrone sin. But that's hard to do. But here's where fasting comes in. When you fast for a day, or some other period of time for two days or 40 days. When you fast, your belly is gonna say, give me some food, right? And so it'll say it pretty loudly, right? It'll insist on some food. And it insists on food. When it tells you that if you don't go have a hamburger today, you are going to die, you know in the middle of the fast, 
that that's a lie, right? It doesn't feel like a lie. It feels like reality. If I don't have a hamburger, I will die. But you know that it is a lie. That helps you understand that when these other temptations, when these temptations come into our lives, that, that tempt us in our persistent sin, that those two are lies. You'll be able to see the similarity between the lie that says you must eat a hamburger or you will die and the lie that says you must commit some sin in order to be satisfied, in order to be sated in some way. You, you will recognize the lie of the sin because you recognize the lie of the, uh, of the appetite. And it will strengthen your spiritual muscles to discipline your body. When, and this is the way all of these Holy Spirit-empowered habits work. So when we say no to hunger in the middle of the fast, we declare that the base desires in our bodies are not in charge of us. Uh, when we give sacrificially uh, to the Lord financially, we declare that we trust the Lord to meet our needs. When we pray earnestly, we declare that we're powerless apart from God's help. When we meditate on scripture, we declare that we need God's guidance. Every one of these, these disciplines is a declaration to God. And when it comes to fasting, we are declaring that we are not controlled by the flesh. And that benefits us as we seek to overcome these persistent sins. And then number five, uh, very quickly, fasting serves to unite believers in prayer and, uh, and worship. Uh, we'll, we'll comment more on that next week. L let me just give you some, some practical guidelines as we wrap this up. This is a lot different kind of message than we would ordinarily preach, but, uh, but, but I want to be very practical. So number one, begin with mostly private fasting. So there'll be some corporate fasting that you're going to do with your family or your church. But the best place to start, if you want to learn about fasting, it's just you. Just, just you. Don't tell anybody that doesn't need to know. Just you. Number two, determine the purpose of your fasting. So when I fast, I determine ahead of time, this is why. I'm fasting because I need wisdom. I'm fasting because I need renewal or revival or protection or identify the purpose. But be open to the Lord because oftentimes the Lord will do something very different in your fasting than you uh, intended. Number three, make a plan. Now the Bible doesn't give any specific instructions. So there's no judgment here and there's no bragging. So you can't brag that you fast more than somebody else. Uh, you can't be judgmental because somebody does it differently than you do. Uh, use the biblical definition for fasting and you just pray. Maybe you fast a day. Maybe you fast a whole bunch of days and you're no more spiritual if you fast a whole bunch of days than if you just fast a day. Just start with fasting. So uh, make a plan, but, but there's no judgment, there's no bragging, seek the Lord. In, in your plan, the first thing you must decide is how long you're going to fast. Be smart with your health, of course. Uh, most people should begin with a 24-hour fast, and the best way to do that, the, at least in the beginning, is to have supper one night. So maybe your supper's at 6 o'clock at night, and then just don't have anything until supper the next night. Well, that's just the easiest way to do it. And if your supper the next night happens a little later than your supper the first night, that's 24 hours. That makes sense? You don't even have to tell your family if you're doing that. Well, depending on, I guess, if you're, if you're at home during the day, you, you, you might have to mention it. But, but that, that's the easiest way to do it. From supper to supper, 24 hours, and then uh, perhaps the Lord will expand it uh, from there. 
Uh, I suggest uh, just fast, maybe just drink water. Uh, just drink water if you're doing a 24-hour fast. The longer your fast goes, the more uh, you may have to do something else. Many people drink a little bit of juice. Uh, most people who are healthy can go 40 days uh, with just two or three cups of juice a day. And, um, and, but I hesitate to even mention a time period because, like I said, you should get this from, from the Lord on how long. And then decide how restrictive, whether you're just going to drink water or nothing or a little fruit juice. Number four. Commit to using the time that you free up for prayer and Bible study. Remember, the fast is not just about being miserable and hungry. Uh, the fasting is about connecting with the Lord. In fact, longer fasts, you will be less miserable and hungry. It's counterintuitive. Uh, a a two-day fast is a lot harder than a, than a much, much longer fast because you, you're not hungry after a little while. Uh, but it's not about being miserable. It's about connecting with the Lord. So commit to using your time for that. Now, let's just see where we are. Uh, we're, we're out of time, but I, I want you to see that we learned a few weeks ago that we're dead to sin if we're connected with Christ. We can say no to sin. But if we're not careful, sin will still reign. Uh, Romans 6, 6, 12, uh, do not let sin reign. But it goes on in the next verse of Romans chapter 6, and it tells us that the way to make a change, the way to get sin off the throne of our lives is, is to engage in these God-prescribed, Holy Spirit-empowered habits that little bit by little bit allow God to change our lives, Romans 6.13. And so we, we learned that, and now we're focusing on the habits. We said first habit was we need to meditate on Scripture every day. Second habit is we need to pray earnestly every day. And then today, habit number three, we need to fast as the Lord leads us to fast. Now let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Because I want to say something that's very important. Fasting is not a magic trick. It, it, it's not a... Uh, it's not something that you do in order to put God in a corner or to force God's hand. None of us can earn a right standing with God. You get fast until you're nearly dead. God will not be impressed. We are right with God, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. And that's where it must begin. I don't have a right standing with God because I fast occasionally. I have a right standing with God because Jesus gave his life for me. And I have trusted in what Jesus has done. And so way more important than you understanding fasting is in you understanding that the only hope is surrendering to Christ and trusting him alone. If this morning you need to embrace that, let it start there. You come forward as we stand and sing in a moment I'll be standing here with some other ministers. You just take somebody's hand and say privately, today I want to trust Christ because I know that's where it begins. But church, listen, so many of us, we struggle with persistent sins and we struggle and struggle. We have prayed and we have promised and nothing has changed. And perhaps the reason is because we've neglected this essential blessing of a discipline, the discipline of fasting. Would you ask the Lord how you can begin to embrace this this week? Father, thank you that you've given us prayer. 
Thank you that you've given us singing. Thank you that you've given us your word. And thank you that you've given us fasting as a way to relate to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.